Welcome to Take Heart, where our goal is to give you hope and offer insight and encouragement so you can flourish in your journey as a special needs mom. Each week, Amy, Carrie, and Sarah will explore a theme and share an inspiring story, a practical tip, and an encouraging blessing using our combined experience of over 30 years of parenting children with special needs. It's Sarah this week. Thanks for joining me today. In this month, we are talking about grief. Before my son's diagnosis, I'd always associated grief with death. My son has a complex medical issue, and his diagnosis is degenerative and terminal. But since he was alive, when others had already succumbed to the disease, I didn't feel like I had the right to grieve, at least yet. But death doesn't have sole rights over grief. Grief, more times than not, is about the end or the change in something familiar, desired, or even expected. We didn't choose a child with complex medical and physical issues, so when we realized our little family's dreams had abruptly changed, we had experienced many emotions, most of which we didn't even know how to name. I had no idea at the time, but the emotion I was feeling was grief. And obviously, we were grieving the apparent loss of our child that would come way too soon. We were also grieving dreams we had for him, though and for his brother, for us, for our family. Even more recently, I realized that I had been grieving retirement. I was avoiding the discussion of retirement with my husband when it was up to that point, something we reviewed often. But I realized I was avoiding it because I was planning for a time when our son TJ wasn't going to be with us. At least in my head, that's what I associated retirement with. And I didn't want to talk about retirement because I didn't want to talk and plan for a time where we would be able to experience our golden years knowing our child wasn't going to be with us. And those are brutally real confusions, fears, and even griefs. Even though no special needs diagnoses are the same, one constant remains. Raising a special needs child is a continuous lesson in grieving. Maybe you grieved when you first received the diagnosis. Possibly you were grieving before that or after that. Maybe you continued to grieve when your child doesn't reach milestones as their peers do. How often do we hear not thriving said from a doctor? Those are real moments to grieve. Then if grieving isn't enough, maybe you feel grief, you feel guilt about the grief. And let me start by saying this. You are not a bad mom if you grieve the dreams you had for your child or your family. Grieving those dreams does not mean you're not accepting and loving the life you have now. I think grief for special needs moms is often fear disguised. I have a love-hate relationship with C.S. Lewis's book, A Grief Observed. In that book, he says, no one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. And that is so true for me and my journey as a special needs mom. I don't know about you. But I fear so many things about being a special needs mom, and that turns into grief because I know I can't do anything to reverse my son's diagnosis. I grieve and fear so much about what he has to endure, what he will endure, and I fear that I will have to sit back and watch helplessly. I fear that the next stage of his disease and what that means for him and for our family, I fear not being prepared or qualified for what he will need next, 
and I grieve that my mom duties include preparing for this dis- his deterioration or his death. But most of all, I fear the day I will lose him. I used to berate myself for anticipating the grief. There are times when I felt guilty, and I still feel guilty, for grieving my sons and my family's circumstances. I think we have so much and others have so little. What do I have to be sad about? I thought the anticipatory grief was me being negative, you know, the glass half empty. But I know now that I can't muscle my way through grief. I can't suck it up or bear it or fake it until you make it or whatever other phrases out there. There is only one way to the other side of grief, and that is to go through it. You can't sidestep it and you can't jump over it. And you can't beat it to a pulp, unfortunately. And once you do make it through it, you aren't removed from it. Anniversaries, circumstances, or certain situations will sometimes trigger that grief. And not only are we allowed to grieve, but God expects it. He created us to grieve. He created us in his image because he grieved. Genesis 6.6 says that God was grieved and his heart was filled with pain. God also grieves with us. Psalm 34.18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. In John 11.35, it says that Jesus wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. And that was Jesus. I mean, he knew he could raise him from the dead. And he still grieved because he felt that pain of his friends. Matthew 14, 13 talks about Jesus's reaction to when John the Baptist was beheaded. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist was murdered, he left in a boat to a remote place so he could be alone. He did not suck it up or fake it until he made it. He grieved. We also become closest to God in the midst of our suffering and grief. When we have nothing else to turn to, Falling our knee on our knees and asking God to show us the way is exactly how we properly cope with that grief. And being completely honest, even almost a decade after my son's diagnosis, the fear and grief threatens to overwhelm me at times. I don't see that ever stopping, unfortunately. Some days it is all I can do just not to stay in the closet in the fetal position crying my eyes out. The pain is almost tangible. It hurts and it steals my very breath. Here's the thing, though. When I get to that desolate place, I know God is with me and he will not leave me in those broken places. Psalm 119, 28 says, My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. And I love that scripture. When it seems like there is nowhere for me to turn to ease that grief and fear, I know I can find strength in his word. I spend time in scripture and I spend time with God. I let him speak to me in ways that only he can comfort me. And while I'm being honest, I'm still learning how to do that. Turning to God, relying on his word, it's a process. Kind of like grief. There is no end to grief. There is no finish line that once you cross it, you get to relax. There's no end to our growing relationship with God either. Thank goodness. There is no finish line. We get to keep growing in our relationship with our Savior. And working through the process of grief and the process of growing closer to God, we know the grief won't overtake us. We learn every day how to put one foot in front of the other. We learn how to focus on the moments we have now. I have also found that one of the most amazing things about turning to God in your grief is that he will answer 
prayers you didn't even know you had. He will comfort you in ways you didn't even know you needed comforting, and he will give you hope when you thought all hope was lost. He will carry the burden when it just gets too heavy to carry on your own. Even though it's okay to grieve, it's also okay to let God transform that grief into hope. It's okay to lean into his dreams for you and trust in his guidance. No, you won't always trust that immediately, nor will you always like the plan initially. Heck, it it all may not even make sense this side of heaven. But I do know if you turn to God and truly spend time with him and his word, God's love and peace will guide you. It will comfort you. It will always be with you. And I want to leave you with a passage from Every Moment Holy. Let me listen to its holy whisper, that I might release at last these lesser dreams, that I might embrace the better dreams you dream for me and for your people and for your kingdom and for your creation. Let me join myself to these, investing all hope in the one hope that will never come undone or betray those who place their trust in it. Teach me to hope, O Lord, always and only in you. You are the king of my collapse. You answer not what I demand but what I do not even know to ask. Now take this dream, this husk, this chaff of my desire, and give it back reformed and remade according to your better vision. Or do not give it back at all. Here in the ruins of my wrecked expectation, let me make this best confession. Not my dreams, O Lord, not my dreams, but yours be done. Amen. Carrie has a free exercise on her website at carriemholt.com, and you'll find the link to that in the show notes. But this free exercise, it's called Eight Practices for Processing Grief, and it is amazing. You will definitely want to check that out. Thank you for joining us this week on Take Heart. If you are loving our podcast, would you do us a favor and leave a review on whatever platform you're using to listen to our podcast? You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Take Heart Special Moms. If you have any questions or comments or would like to share your story with us, follow the links in our show notes. We love hearing from our listeners. Listen in next Tuesday as all three of us come together to share our thoughts on grief.